Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions. But everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, friends, I'm thankful this morning for beautiful music, for prayer, uh, for, for Greg's words, and for the holy meal that we will celebrate in a few moments. I saw somebody a minute ago look at their watch. Uh, it's going to be okay. We probably will get out a little bit later. Uh, but we got out early last week, and it evens out. Um, we are beginning our stewardship campaign for the month of October, and we're going to be looking uh, at a couple examples over the book of Acts, and uh, I had a meeting actually last week with a, a Methodist pastor uh, who's nearing retirement, and, and he asked what we'd been doing and what I was working on. I said, well, I'm actually working on generosity and stewardship for the month of October, and he replied sort of sarcastically, if I've learned anything in my many years of ministry, it's that people love it when you talk about money from the pulpit. <laughs> and if they had it their way, you'd talk about it every Sunday. <laughs> and I said, well, then it sounds like I'm just giving the people what they want. Um, now, I know for some of you that's probably not true, but it is, money is a huge part of our lives, our resources, and I think because of that, we need to be in constant dialogue with our faith and our life with Jesus and our life together. So I do hope that you will spend this month in prayer for this community and for your hearts as we seek to love God with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And as we do it, together. Because after all, that's what this is all about. Our covenant with God and with one another in community. Something I think many in the world are starving for right now. I saw a poll taken by the Survey Center of American Life that, that asked this simple question, not counting fa family members, how many close friends do you have? They asked men and women and they asked, they asked them in 1990 and they asked them again in 2021. And in those results, you saw a, a stark decrease in the amount of friends people had. Women, in, in 1990 to 2021, women sh showed a 17% decrease in those who have 10 friends and a 9% increase in those who have none at all. And for men between those years as well, in 30 years, they found a 35% drop in men who had close friends and a 12% increase in those who have none at all. In other words, we are more friendless now than we've ever been. One of the authors of the study had this to say about the results. Friendlessness provides a potent, probably only partial social explanation for kind of why we are the way we are today. Why our politics are so polarized with increasing numbers of people attracted to more radical forms of dissent. It also suggests that if loneliness and isolation become worse, so could our political pathologies. And it's not just an American thing. I think it was just before COVID that the British government 
appointed a minister for loneliness to combat an overwhelming amount of the same. Our world has an epidemic of friendlessness, of a lack of relationship. It feels like we're disconnecting more and more and moving farther and farther apart. And it kind of makes sense. The way our media, social and otherwise, is going, our public square is very different today. The news media is not edifying, I don't think, and COVID didn't help. It forced us into more isolation than we ever knew. In the midst of COVID, I remember I spoke with a church member at our last church who was in a retirement community. As you know, the retirement communities were hit with very restrictive health measures in the midst of COVID. And I remember I was asking her what it was like. And she was telling me, Andrew, I've been through the depression and I've been through a lot of wars and this is the worst, being alone, being isolated. Of course, separation, isolation, and disconnection are sometimes our decision. It is sort of in our human DNA, the hyper-individualism that can sometimes drive us from community rather than towards it, the need to be right or to live according to our own will, my way, or the highway sort of thinking. It's in our human origins. That's the story of the garden in Genesis. Of course, in our DNA is this community. Humanity was in perfect communion and community and chose a different path. We wanted it our way. We wanted control. And that decision carried the consequences of separation. So we do have community in our DNA, but we also have separation at our origins. It's in our cultural origins as well, as Americans. Of course, we're founded on the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and and that's part of our DNA, but so is not wanting to pay taxes. We wanted control. And we were born out of that righteous anger for our rights, and it can be a strength that unites us and also a weakness that further separates us from one another. We see the origins of the church in Acts 4. Connor read from NRSV, but I wanted to read from the message. It says, the whole congregation of believers was united as one. One heart, one mind, they didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. Nobody said, that's mine, you can't have it. (laughs) They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to to each person's need. The early Jesus followers formed this community around a common love and a common mission. There was no loneliness or friendlessness. In fact, we learn over and over and over again how many they are adding to their friend list. They continue to bear witness concerning Jesus and an abundance of grace is at work among them all. What is God doing? I'm so glad you asked. Through the church, God is taking a bunch of individuals and turning them into a community. The Spirit is binding people together who beforehand were separate and uniting them together. And within that larger picture, within our origins as a church, is this unifying generosity and a knowledge that what we have is not ours. It belongs to God. We are tied to one another by bonds that are greater than earthly tribes or groups or materials or resources. John Wesley preached This in a sermon, he said, we have no right to dispose of anything we have, but according to the will of God, seeing that we are not proprietors or owners of any of these things, they all belong to another person, Jesus Christ. So friends, it seems that generosity and community are in our DNA. 
They're the very beginning of who we are, a generosity from the heart for the good of a common mission with one another, not ownership or individualist tendencies. Our, origin, our origins lie in selflessness and community and generosity. It's in the scripture. And at the end of our passage, we read that Joseph, called by the apostles Barnabas, son of encouragement, sold a field, brought the money, and gave it all. And I love that. Luke's always helpful like that. He always gives us a tangible example of what he's talking about. So Luke tells us, well, the church was generous and gave everything and didn't think about ownership. And they gave because there was a need, just like Joseph. Luke says, Joseph, we called him Barnabas. He was a man who gave a gift because there was a need, not to mention it's just who he was. That's why he gave him the nickname, because encouragement and generosity and a love for community flowed from him. It was in his DNA. It's just who he was. And I believe it's who we are. Now trust me, I know sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we can get it wrong. If you've read any bit of the book of Acts, you know that the church isn't always so picturesque and perfect. In fact, Luke tells us in Acts that it takes almost no time for arguments to begin, for unity to be threatened, disconnection and schism are on the horizon at every turn. Even Barnabas and Paul part ways before it's over. But honestly, that has, I think, more to do with us. After all, the church is made up of who? Human beings. <laughs> We're constantly engaging in disagreement, arguments, but I think that's probably just part of being in relationship. I love the way that author and theologian Kathleen Norris acknowledges the difficulty of the church. She says this, I want you to hear this. From the outside, church congregations can look like remarkably contentious places full of hypocrites who talk about love while fighting each other tooth and nail. This is the reason many people give for avoiding them. But on the inside, she says, it's a different matter. A matter of struggling to maintain unity as the body of Christ, given the fact that we have precious little uniformity. I have only to look at the congregation I know best, the one I belong to, she says. We are not individuals who have come together because we're like-minded. That's not a church. That's a political party. We are like most healthy churches, I think, in that we can do pretty well when it comes to loving and serving God, each other, and the world. But God help us if we have to agree about things. <laughs> she said, I could test our uniformity by suggesting a major remodeling of the sanctuary, or worse, that holy of holies, the church parlor. But I, <laughs> she says, but I value my life too much. It's true, friends, we're a bit of a mess sometimes. But I think it's only because we're trying to do something impossible. <laughs> something only God can do. We're trying to be a community who loves God and each other and serves the world, all with people from every background or denomination or state or country. We're trying our best to be connected and in relationship and united in one mind and one heart, and that's hard. But the crazy thing is, we actually believe it can be done. <laughs> because we believe that God is moving and that God is not done with us yet. This church was God's idea. And I'm not going to be the one to tell them we're through. <laughs> Human beings, we're funny. I know. We have this bent toward disconnection. It's part of our story. It's in our DNA. From the very beginning in the garden, 
and we continue to find ways to divide. But friends, I want to tell you, before we disconnected in Genesis, before we disconnected from God and each other, before we chose our will over God's will, before we decided it was our way or the highway, before we sought control, we were connected. We were in community. We held everything in common, and we walked with God. That is the image of our origins in Genesis. Before the disconnection, there was connection. And that's the image that the church in Acts is working hard to recreate. And that is a part of who we are. And I know it's a part of who you are. We took a survey in May. There were 145 people who filled it out. And the majority of people, when asked, why did you stay at this church? Majority of people said relationship, (laughs) friendship, connection. Somebody reached out to me and made this place feel like home. And I believe that little statistic could be traced back to our origins when in 1828 this church was started for many reasons, I'm sure, one of which was probably relationship, community, friendship. It's in our DNA and it's who we are. Friends, I know we have an epidemic in our country of of pushing each other away, of disconnecting. And friends, I believe that the church is the answer. Because within our very origins, within our DNA, from the beginning, is this thing called generosity of giving of oneself, loving others more than self. The very origins of our faith are found in Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, yes, and for his closest friends, caring more about the love of neighbor and the love of you and me than anything else in the world. We're not always going to be the idealistic acts for church. And sometimes, if just between us, it seems a little unrealistic. To be that generous and kind to one another, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> Maybe it's difficult. Maybe it's unreasonable. But it's who our God is. And it's who God has called us to be. I want to finish with this, and then we'll come to the table. John Wesley implored his congregations with the following. He said, give all you have as well as all you are, and may it be a spiritual sacrifice to God who did not withhold his only son from anybody. In other words, we exist, we care for one another, we carry one another, we hold all we can and we give all we can because God gave all he could. I believe that God's work through the church, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, is the answer to the loneliness, to friendlessness, and that the world desperately needs community and connection. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe the church, the hands and feet of Jesus, is reaching out to hold each and every human being, just like Jesus holding those lambs. And he's knocking at the door asking us to be a part of that. Let us pray. Gracious God, what better way to celebrate your gift of everything than to meet each other at this table in a moment, God, where we are all on level ground, all are welcome, and where we meet the true generosity of God in Jesus Christ. Be with us, God. Call us back to you. And may we know that at this table, We find grace, we find mercy, and we find community. In Jesus' name, amen.